0: Okay, so it's really about you all. Um, uh, So we want you to be blessed. We really uh, believe that God loves His woman. And women are special. And women hold a really special place in Jesus' heart. And sometimes it's difficult, you know, if you're a mom or as a woman, as a wife, and for, for many of us as women, it's not easy to take care of ourselves along with everyone else and um, so it's good I think just to take this time out and for us as a church it's a blessing to be able to bless you all and so tonight we want you to be blessed it's about you it's about enjoying I've got a word here um, entitled wonderfully made and as you leave tonight I want you to just have some reflections in your heart walk away with something in your heart Um, questions maybe towards the Lord or something that the Holy Spirit dropped in your heart around how he made you and how wonderfully made you are and that you're unique and he has a purpose for you. Um, just, I want you to walk away with that. Okay, so I'm going to share. Um, thank you so much, Sipo. Thank you so much. I'm going to share for a, a few minutes and, um, and then on your tables, you'll see little red cards and as I'm going through my message, I'm going to ask you some rhetoric questions. So you won't be answering them then. But thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks, to me. But those are the questions when I'm done with my talk, you're going to be discussing at your tables amongst yourselves. Um, I think we learn more, not only when we listen, but when we listen and we process and then we share and we reflect on our own lives. From what we've learned so that's what we'll do tonight so I'll have a I'll, I'll share with you I'll give the instructions and only then you can take dessert I saw some ladies already looking at the dessert <laughs> you have to wait till the end of the talk and then you can have dessert okay maybe maybe that's how we're going to catch you and keep you <laughs> okay okay so I wanting to share this evening on wonderfully made wonderfully made holy spirits would you come and speak to our hearts really you're the one whom we want to hear from tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you you love each person, that you are the one who knows uh, what you made each one of us for. And I pray tonight for an activation, for a stirring in hearts, for eyes to open, for hope to spring up from hearts, Lord, for wrong beliefs to be broken off. Just really pray that you would come and encourage hearts, come and minister to hearts, come and strengthen hearts. And we invite you, Holy Spirits, to have your way to take center stage this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's a scripture, Psalm 139, verse 14, it says in the New King James Version, it says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you actually look in the, mor- in the mirror in the morning and can say that to yourself? I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made. When God made me, he did a good job. You know, most of us, I think we look in the mirror, if we look in the mirror, because we're in a rush, but we look in the mirror and <laughs> and we notice the things that we don't like, that we don't think are wonderfully made, you know, and we don't celebrate the things that are good, that are, that, that, that are great. And and I'm hoping that that changes. But that word wonderful, it means to distinguish, to put a difference in the Hebrew. That word wonderful in the Hebrew means to put a difference, to show marvelous, to separate, to set apart, to make wonderfully. Now, so so when God made us, he did a wonderful thing. He made me wonderfully. I am wonderfully made. So I'm set apart. You're not going to find another person like me in the whole world and you're set apart and you're not gonna find another person like you in the whole world. But what do we do as women? What do we do? We say, okay, well, this is the perfect shape body. And that's what I must aspire to. And if I'm not there, then I'm depressed. I'm unhappy. I beat myself up about it. Or we say, this is the texture of hair that, that, that that's, that's ultimately what's beautiful. And that's what we're gonna aim for. And that's what society says, and so that's what we buy into. Or we say, fashion this is the fashion this year and the fashion god is a fickle god because every year she changes her mind <laughs> right she does <laughs> and so so we buy into this lie of what is ultimate and we aspire for these things things and we all try to look like somebody we always all try to have the same shape body the same type of hair the same we all want to be the same but it says here in god's word that when he made me that word wonderful says he put he made me differently he distinguished me So why are we as women wanting to all be the same when God made us different? You know, why? Families, this is the perfect family, this many kids or no kids. This is the type of house we must live in. These are the cars we must drive. This is the perfect, you know? We also do it with ourselves in terms of a measure of success. We measure success a certain way. We, you gotta have this many cars, you gotta have this many clothes, you gotta have this much money in your account, you gotta be there in your career or there in your church. This is what success looks like and we have these measures that we put on ourselves and I, I don't want to live my life like that because that's, those are measures I think that man makes. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back on my life. And I've measured myself by measures that aren't even on God's radar. You know? So this morning, I'm wanting, I mean this evening, I'm wanting us (laughs) to um, just reflect on that and think about that. It's so important that we don't use one measure for everyone. We don't use one measure for ourselves. What success looks like for me is not what success looks like for shereen it's not what success looks like for my sister shane or for tanki over there success for me in god's eyes looks very different and i think we have to change our minds and say god give me your idea of success for me and you know what maybe you can't see it out there maybe there's not a mold for you there probably isn't a mold for you you know, if I look at my life, I tried to fit in. I've tried to fit in, but I just i am not going to fit in. You know, I'm in Gauteng. I'm in Centurion, the middle of Africana land, okay? I'm married to a black guy, okay? I'm probably not going to find many of those in that area. And we're pastors, okay? And I'm not your typical pastor's wife because I like doing other stuff, like triathlons. I like competing. And a lot of them are on Sundays. Where am I going to find someone like that? I don't know anyone like that. And if I keep trying to fit into a mold, I've ne- I just don't fit into a mold. And you know what? The sooner we come to accept that it's okay for us not to fit into a mold. It's okay, Cindy, for you to not try and fit into a pastor's wife mold, you know? And who made a pastor's wife mold anyway in the first place? Who made that? We did, right? You don't have to fit into a mold. I don't want to fit into a mold. It's exhausting, Okay. So from God's perspective, success in our life looks very different from what man says and from what the world says. And each of us needs to understand what God wants of us. Like what does he require of me? What what does success look like in my life? It's faithfulness with what he's put in my hand. So success in your life, it might not be that bank account. It might not be that fancy car. It might not be that fancy career or that job, but maybe it is. But maybe it's not. But what's most important is that you find out what God has put in your hand and you're faithful with that because that is success. Amen. Okay. In a few other translations, in the message translation, it says the same verse, Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I thank you, God, You're breathtaking body and soul. I'm marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> your breathtaking lord body and soul i'm marvelously made i worship you in adoration what a creation you made can we say that you know psalm 139 verse 14 in the new living translation says thank you for making me so wonderfully complex And ladies we are wonderfully complex <laughs> okay it's okay to be complex okay your workmanship is marvelous how well i know it and then um a little bit further down in the passion translation in the same chapter of Psalms, it says, "You saw who you created me to be, before to be, before I came, became me. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. So when God made me, he already knew the different passions that He would put inside of me. He already knew why He made me all or nothing. You know, an all or nothing person. And he did that on purpose for a reason. He already knew why he made you, you. He already knew why he put those passions in there, because it's for a purpose. And there's a number of days that he's allotted to you. And I just love that. In Psalm 33, verse 13 to 15, it says, The Lord looks down from heaven and sees every person. From his throne he watches all who live on earth. He made their hearts and understands everything they do. I just preached this last Sunday on the God who sees at the Joburg church so God sees that word looks down from the Hebrew it means uh, to regard with pleasure with favor with care to regard with respect so the Lord looks down not with a cattle prod ready to go zap every time you step out of line but he looks down with favor with pleasure with care with respect isn't that beautiful? And it says he sees every person that word see it means to joyfully look on to joyfully so when he looks at me he regards me with pleasure he regards me with joy he regards me with respect that's how he sees me and when it says he understands us it means that he gently directs he discerns he feels he can feel what i'm feeling he feels he informs he instructs with intelligence so when God looks, he deals wisely. So when God looks at me, he's looking at me joyfully. He's looking at me with pleasure. He's looking at me with favor, knowing how to shape me and move me to get me to where I need to go. Isn't that awesome? And I love that quote. I can't remember. I think it was Graham Cook who said that God is never disillusioned with us because he was never illusioned in the first place. You see, we get disillusioned with ourselves because we're illusioned, but God's not illusioned. And He still looks at us with favor, with joy, with understanding, with care, with skillful wisdom concerning where He's taking us and what He needs to do to get us where He wants us to be. Um, And I'm wanting us tonight, I just want to give you three women from the Bible, uh, and you can see who you relate to from these three different women. They all had different lives, they all had very different situations and I want us to learn from them. See if you can identify with any of them. The first lady that I'm wanting us to reflect on is Mrs. Noah. I don't even know what her name was. (laughs) 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 Mrs. Noah, okay? But I just think that although there's not a lot written about her, there's actually so much we can glean from her husband and, and what happened, you know? And if I read in Genesis 6 from verse 5 to 9, basically what's happening at this point is the earth is getting more and more wicked. There's wickedness in the hearts of man and God grows tired of it. And it says here he was sorry he'd made man, he was grieved in his heart. And he says, I'm sorry I've I've basically made man and I will destroy man whom I've created, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And we all know what happened, that God spoke to Noah basically and said, listen, I'm going to destroy the whole earth, but you are not. So please, can you build an ark, a boat, a big boat, and you're going to put two of every kind of animal in there. And it's going to rain. And he probably had to explain what rain was because it had never rained before and um, you're gonna be saved, basically. And I, I just think of, first of all, how Mrs. Noah must have felt when her husband came to tell her that it was gonna rain. Okay, <laughs> she's like, what are you saying? It's never rained before, what is that, you know? It's gonna rain, and we're gonna build a, we're gonna build a really big boat, but there's no water, and there's no rain, but we're gonna build a big boat. I wonder what went through her heart, her mind, you know? And then they probably became the laughing stock of everybody. Because Noah is saying it's going to rain. People are saying, well, what is rain? They've never seen it before. And now they're going to build a really, really big boat so that they can be saved from this rain. And everyone's probably laughing. And, and I wonder what she went through. You know, I think she must have been a pretty strong woman to go through all of that. And um, yeah, I wonder what the emotional journey was that she enjoyed. I wonder when she believed her husband. I wonder how well... How soon she submitted because submission is tested in disagreement I wonder if she was a quick submitter or or it took a bit of a while okay I wonder but when I think about Mrs. Noah you know have you ever heard those introductions so say Pastor Vim is introducing me tonight and she says let me tell you a little tell you a little bit about Trace and then she says her husband uh, Paul is a really great man, and he walks with God, and he's got this degree, and he teaches at Gibbs, and he does this, and he does that, and he's a really, have you ever heard those types of introductions where the person who's being introduced gets lost in their own introduction? And I I kind of feel like that about Mrs. Noah. It's like she got lost in the introduction. Her husband was really awesome, but what about her, you know? And um, when USA Today conducted a a survey of biblical knowledge, they included the question, who was Noah's wife? (laughs) And 40% of those responding believed her name was Joan of Arc. (laughs) Okay, so we don't really know who she was. And from our perspective, Mrs. Noah might have gotten lost in Noah's shadow, but in God's eyes, she was never lost. We don't know much about her, but in God's eyes, She was never lost. Whether a woman is out in front or whether she's the unknown soldier in the shadows, whether she's facing a crisis or having an ordinary day, she has a vital role in God's purposes and she was never lost. And who knows, maybe she was really successful at fulfilling her purpose. Maybe the reason that there's not a whole lot written about her is because she didn't do anything newsworthy and noteworthy. She didn't fall. She didn't trip up. She didn't do anything that we can learn from because she lived a really great... Who knows? And... So I guess what I'm saying is that our measure of success is fame, is having a name, and all of those things. But I'm looking at this woman here, and she could have been really successful in God's eyes, but we don't know a whole lot about her, you know? She lived in a very evil time like we do today. She chose her husband wisely because he was the only one who survived. (laughs) So she was wise, (laughs) okay? There's a lesson there for some single ladies over there, (laughs) okay. She must have faced many challenges being married to a man like that. And you know what else? She raised her children in this really evil time, and they were also on the ark. So she must have also done a great job at raising her kids, because if they were really evil, God could have destroyed them like he destroyed Eli's sons. But they were on the ark with their wives. And so there must have been something really powerful about this this woman, I would like to have imagined, I don't know, but I'd like, to have ima- I'd like to imagine that Mrs. Noah, she encouraged her husband when he was the laughingstock of everybody else. I'd like to think she was faithful with, with, with what God entrusted to her. Yeah, she was wonderfully made. She was lovingly made on purpose. I imagine she stood up for her husband when he was the laughingstock of people. You know? I imagine that she learned difficult lessons when they were building the ark when it was that walk of faith. And so I'm wanting to bring it home to you and and some of the questions that I'm wanting to ask you, the rhetorical questions that I spoke about, some of them are on your table. Do you stand up for what you believe? I think she must have stood up for what she believed. Do you stand up for what you believe? What lessons are you learning in this life stage? She must have learned a lot of lessons. I wish she'd written books. I wish she'd recorded something that we could learn from. But what lessons are you learning? She must have grown and become someone through the whole process. Who are you becoming through your process right now and do you like who you're becoming? You know, sometimes when I'm with my kids and I'm trying to be this perfect mom, and I don't even think there's such a thing by the way, but anyway, I'm trying to be this perfect mom and it's this one and this one and this one and they're all talking to me at the same, in fact, they're all shouting at me at the same time and they all want something and I'm pushed to the edge the whole day of, having, of being with them. And I'm wanting to be with them because that's what a perfect mom will do, right? You know? And sometimes by the end of the day, I'm ratty. And I raise my voice. And I do things that I don't like. And I think to myself, do I like who I'm I'm becoming? You know, with the kids. Because if I don't, I need to do something, readjust. Maybe I need to put my run in the afternoon or something so I don't spend all afternoon with them. But do we like who we're becoming? And what can we adjust so that we, be, we, become, we become a person that we, we like. I imagine that she had a voice with an influence with her sons and with her husband. Um, have you lost your voice in any area of life? Do you keep quiet when you should be speaking out? Just some questions for you to think on. Um, I have another account of a very admirable and strong woman again. We don't know a lot about her, we know more about her son. And as I recount the story to you, I, I think you'll know what I'm talking about, but Sonia was a child of adversity. She was an African-American woman, number 22 in a family of 24. She spent most of her childhood in foster care, and she only completed up to grade 3 education. At 13, she married an older man in the hopes of escaping poverty, but found him, even though he was a pastor, she found him to be a bigamist. He had a family somewhere else. And after having two children she got divorced but when the marriage ended her circumstances were even worse she's got third grade education two sons she's on her own her only resources were her own two hands and a fierce determination to do whatever it took to make a better life for her sons and her unbending faith in God and she took jobs as a household domestic to pay the bills and she implemented an ambitious agenda for her sons. She basically turned off the TV. She said, no TV. You guys are going to read every week. And they would go to the library and they had to write book reviews. She couldn't, she couldn't read, but they didn't know that. She couldn't even read what they'd written. She didn't understand it. And she enforced this reading program and her sons grew up. And her son, Dr. Ben Carson, became one of the world's foremost leading neurosurgeons. He actually did the first, performed the first Um, separation of congenitally joined twins when they were joined at the head he did he separated the first in the in the world this woman isn't that amazing and we know about him but for me when I hear that story it gives me goosebumps just think about this incredible mother you know this incredible mother so moms you know it's amazing what we can do just in the small things the small it's unseen but it's so so important and important and right now I think he's secretary of housing and urban development in trump's uh, administration but he says this he openly acknowledges his indebtedness to his mom and he says i own not only saw and felt the difference my mother made in my life i'm still living out that difference as a man and you see at the end of the day we all find ourselves in different situations some brought on by decisions we made others by god others because we live in a fallen world we can't always control the situation that we find ourselves in but we can choose our attitude and we can choose how we think about it and we can choose how we measure ourselves. amen we still got a choice we can choose how we respond so that is my first woman mrs noah and my example who's this unknown woman um not many people know about her sonia i don't even know what her surname was maybe it was carson I don't know okay the second woman that i'm wanting us to see and you can see if you identify with any of these women the second woman is sarah sarah and um whilst from our perspective when we look at mrs noah's challenge which was obscurity no one really knows much about her she wasn't she's never been in any danger of being obscure we all know about sarah she's very you know sort of famous okay she's one of the most prominent women in the bible But if you go and look in your Bible, the first time she's mentioned, this is what it says. It's talking about the genealogy of Terah. It says, Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and it continues with the genealogy. And then it says, um, the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. That's the first thing we hear about Sarah. That's the first thing the Bible tells us about Sarah of any importance. She was barren. And she had no child so if you remember rightly she must have been i think she was 90 years old when she had isaac that means all her childbearing years from twin, from what her teens up to 90 that's a long time people she would have been deemed as a failure in the eyes of her community in the hebrew culture a woman was there to bring forth sons and sarai came along and she did not bring forth sons or daughters okay so for 70 plus years She would have been seen as a failure, and if she had judged herself by that, I think it would have been a very depressing place to live in, don't you think? And she probably spent many years fitting into, trying to fit into that mold, especially after God gave her a word that he's going to give her descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky probably spend time Lord you know why can't I just be that person that that person even now you've said it Lord after God said it why can't I just be that person can not I just fit into that mold? there was a mold there was something that society wanted to define a role of a woman and when she couldn't fit into it after a while she actually tried to make it happen on her own accord and she gave a maid servant to her husband to make her pregnant so she could have a son some some sort of way and Sarah's story to me it highlights how, as women, we can get caught up and uh, measure our success or failure um, in terms of what gives a woman gives a woman's meaning life gives a woman's life meaning and purpose. We can get caught up in that. We can get uh, measure ourselves according to that and come out second best. And Sarah got lost in the very place a woman is supposed to find herself. Sarah got lost at home. So while Mrs. Noah got lost in obscurity, Sarah, in all her prominence, she got lost at home. She got lost trying to fit into a mold that she couldn't fit into. And if I think on us tonight, I want you to reflect on, on these types of things. What, what mold are you trying to fit into? What mold do you see that you're trying to fit into? Either that the world has put on you, that you've put on you, that people are putting on you. Is there some kind of picture of yourself that you have? Maybe God has spoken it to you. But you know, when God speaks something to us, we still can't make ourselves fit into that mold. He has to do it. Sarah tried to make herself fit into that mold, and she couldn't. God had to do it in her. So what mold are you trying to fit into? The only person who can make us who we meant to be is God. The only person who can make us the success that He desires us to be is God. And I think we have to remember this when we look at role models in life like we look at certain people maybe if you aspire to be a minister you look at someone like Joyce Meyer maybe if you aspire to be a singer I don't know you know who you would look at if you aspire to be a businesswoman, you look at someone and you look at them and you aspire to be like them well they're, they're attributes we can aspire to but there's no mold that will fit we have to be the best version of ourselves and I need to measure myself according to God's measure of me I need to measure myself by what God, what, how, how do you measure yourself? Today, how are you measuring yourself? Do you measure yourself according to the scale? Do you measure yourself according to how far you are in your career, in your life? How good your kids are? Please don't measure yourself according to that. Okay. <laughs> Please don't. Okay? Brennan Manning said this, Living out of the false self creates a compulsive desire in us to present a perfect image to the public. So that everybody will admire us and no one will know us. Isn't that sad? Living, and that's what we do. That's what people do on Facebook. They're presenting this perfect image, all touched up with filters and other things I don't know about, (laughs) okay, that I still have to learn about, okay? But they touch up and it looks this perfect life, and then underneath it's falling apart. I see some things on Facebook of people that my husband counsels, marriage counseling, and I'm like, what I'm seeing on Facebook, what I'm hearing in the back room, is like not the same thing, you know? And what is it? It's a false self, and we present this false self to the public, but no one knows us, you know? And we think it's a safe place, but no one knows us, it's a sad place. Brene Brown says, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging, listen to this, true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. I got to accept who I am and I got to be comfortable to let you see who I am. And then that's true acceptance and belonging. If my presentation of myself to you is always a fake image, you're not accepting me, you're accepting my image. I'm not, I don't actually belong. It's not real. You know. And I think that's a challenge we have today. So I'm wanting to ask you, what does failure look like for you? If you at the end of a day, or at the end of a week, or at the end of a year, have a feeling of, I failed? What what does that look like to you? And how, how do you feel when you've done that? And is that God's measure for you? I wanna ask you that tonight. I also wanna ask you, and I think these are some of the questions on your table, how would you describe your sense of worth as an individual? How would you describe that? And you're gonna have an opportunity to do that. Is your worth tied to something? that you think is a great accomplishment, you know? I got 100% for physics way back, yonder, however many years ago. No one cares. (laughs) You know? That's not going to get me into heaven. Sorry, I mean, that was nice. Thank you. But I'm just saying we tie our sense of worth and significance to something that's, you know, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not what God celebrates. When I get to heaven, I'm wanting him to say, well done, good and faithful servant good and faithful. What looks good and faithful for me doesn't look good and faithful for you, but you find what looks good and faithful for you. How would you describe your level of self-acceptance currently? Do you feel comfortable in your own skin? We've got to be comfortable in our own skin. Skin. Amen. Okay. Okay. The main people who ultimately will know whether you have been successful with your wonderfully made life or not is you and God. No one else will know i can't look at someone who's a ceo head of this corporate or a pastor or someone anyone else who we all admire and think that they're successful i don't know i don't know maybe they're not doing what god wants them to do maybe they are you know god is kind we can't judge brene brown also says true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself well we know it's to god okay ourselves and to God so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find something sacred and being part of something but also being able to stand alone true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are it requires you to be who you are and I think if more of us in the church were authentic and could be authentic people would feel more accepted when I accept myself the way that I am I'm different and that's okay you accept yourself it's easier to accept other people, you know, and they feel accepted. So that's Sarah. The third example that I'm wanting to leave with us tonight is Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah, this one's interesting. God also doesn't fit into any mold, right? <laughs> this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother was pledged to be married, she was unmarried, and she was found to be pregnant by God (laughs) that's why I said he breaks his own mold okay (laughs) so she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit and then an angel appears to Joseph and says don't be afraid of course he's going to be afraid his wife to be as pregnant what's he going to do but anyways don't be afraid because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she will give birth to a son you're to call him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins now just take a step back from all of that and think about Mary close your eyes in fact think about Mary think about how it must have been like for her what emotions did she go through because right at the most inconvenient time she was planning a wedding the Lord stepped in on the scene and made her pregnant okay not a great not great timing from her perspective and you know what else God didn't care about public opinion either no regard for public opinion it doesn't actually matter what the people say okay You can open your eyes if your eyes are still closed, okay? (laughs) And it's interesting, God doesn't care for public opinion. Why do we? You know, it it says in John 2, verse 24 to 25, Jesus did not entrust himself to them, to the people, because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of doing. And God is like that. He doesn't have any regard for the opinions of man. And yes, we need to take care of our reputation. We need to be careful but we can't let it rule us, the opinions of man. Man is fickle. Amen. Opinions are fickle. Today they love you. Tomorrow they hate you. You didn't do anything different. Okay. But Mary, Mary was still human. She still had to live through this reread read about her. But she couldn't hide. She couldn't get lost in the background. She was centerfold news, I'm sure, in her community for a long time. She was in the limelight. She was pregnant. She was unmarried, telling people she was pregnant by the Lord. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine that? never happened before in history i wonder how people responded to that rumors i can only imagine you know but i love her heart she says to the angel when the angel says to her listen this is what's going to happen to you she says let it be unto me according to thy word isn't that just beautiful it's like saying whatever the cost whatever the cost it doesn't matter let it be unto me according to thy word and that is a test of success i think If we can honestly go before God and say, let it be unto me according to your will, according to your way, according to your word, and we fulfill that over our lives, that's God's test of success. It doesn't matter what people think, let it be unto me according to your word. It doesn't matter the personal cost to me, let it be unto me according to your word. You know, sometimes we look at people who we think are successful, and maybe they are, but we don't know the cost. We don't know the price they're paid to get where they are. We don't never walk today in their shoes you haven't walked today in my shoes you don't know the cost that it cost to stand here today you don't i don't know the cost that you've paid in your life i don't but there's always a cost you know and mary paid a big cost but it was worth it and with god whatever price we pay it's always worth it and maybe god has something for you tonight to conceive and bring forth Maybe the Holy Spirit has something that He wants you to bring forth. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe it's within your work environment. Maybe it's in a social environment, an influencing platform. Maybe there's something He wants you to birth. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's spiritual children. But is He conceiving something in you in this season? And I think that he is. I can feel it. I can feel. Can there's people here tonight. And God wants to use you to birth something. And He needed Mary. He needed Mary. And He needs you as well. Is it a dream? Is it a desire? Is it a business? What is it? Something that the Holy Spirit wants to conceive in you. And you know what? When God conceives something, He knows its name. He knows its timing. And He knows its purpose. He's not vague. Amen. The angel says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the secret to conceiving things by the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. In Matthew it says, and she shall bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. So Mary birthed from a place of being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. When you birth things now, if you've got dreams in your heart, are you birthing... In your own strength like sarah are you making your own plan are you birthing from a high place from a place of idol from a place of not measuring success correctly or are you birthing from intimacy with the holy spirit are they from the most high or from a high place in your life and the other thing that i find so fascinating about this account of mary and her bringing forth jesus who was god's number one plan for the salvation of mankind his number one redemption plan from the beginning of time and guess what it says in luke 2 verse 1 to 7 in that whole mix of scripture it says there was no room for them at the end <laughs> this is god's number one plan for the redemption of mankind there was no room for them at the end so when there's no room for your idea or for whatever god is wanting you to build, don't cry about it there was no room for jesus but god still brought him forth amen God still fulfilled his plan. There was no room at the inn, but it still happened. The things birthed by the Holy Spirit in and through us, what God is wanting to do, are not always birthed in glamour. It's not always glamorous. doesn't mean it's not from God. God. I don't think God, we like glamour. I don't think God really minds either way. You know? It's not always birthed in glamour. It's not always obvious to the naked eye or to the natural mind. And in fact, sometimes it's contrary to our natural mind. That's why sometimes the hardest times we go through in life are the times that we can cherish once we've walked out the other side because they're deep, deep truths that God has imparted to us. It's we can't see it with a natural eye. I don't know what Mary went through, but I think she would have overcome her fear of the opinions of man. I think she would have gone through a lot of stuff. She would have Faced ridicule and mocking, rejection, shaming, to name a few. But she still went through it. She weathered the storm. Amen. She was walking in obedience because her measure of success was not what man said. It was what God said. And what is God saying to you ladies tonight? What is He saying in this season? What is His measure of success for you? We have to remember we are wonderfully made. You are wonderfully made. When you look in the mirror, you can say, I am wonderfully made. My shape, my hair, my look, my passions, my strengths, my weaknesses, I am wonderfully made. God knew what he was doing and he did it for a purpose and he knows what it is, amen. So whether you can relate to Mrs. Noah in obscurity, maybe you're in a season of obscurity, maybe you're hidden, maybe you're still not fully functioning in the fullness of your passion and your, where you feel like God has called you. It's kind of like, you know those bridging seasons? You know, maybe you're there, you're in obscurity, maybe you can relate to her, maybe you relate to Sarah and her inability to fit a mold. You don't fit a mold, you can't, there's some type of mold that you or society or someone else may have have tried to put on you, maybe your parents, and you don't fit that mold. Well, you know what, I came tonight to tell you that you don't have to fit that mold. You just have to be the best version of you that you can be. Or maybe you can identify with Mary in difficult Challenging circumstances of life, trying to bring forth the things that God has placed in you. And it's difficult, but you know what? It was an honor for Mary, and it'll, it'll be an honor for you. It'll be worth it. Okay, you are in good company tonight. There were many, there are many who've gone before us who've been in your exact situation. And God has made you wonderfully. He knows where you're at. You're not alone. You're not alone. He, he knows He can see exactly where you're at. He's not disillusioned, He's not out of touch. The Lord once spoke to me and he said, if you just take one step at a time with me, you'll be at the right place at the right time and on time. And that's what I want to do in life. You know, my life has taken lots of different turns, gone lots of different directions, never a straight line, but that's okay. I just want to make sure that at the end of my life, I've taken, I've done as best I can to take one step with God, that I can be at the right place at the right time and on time. And so that's what I want to charge you with tonight two ladies, to take each step every day try and take it with God walk the journey with God because I think that is the ultimate measure of success when we walk with God he will birth in us what he wants to birth in us amen it's like an instrument needs someone to play it if, if the instrument is with the player the sound will come out whatever's supposed it's like that God is God wants to play our lives and we have to remain with him so he can do that and I'm wanting to pray for you before I give you the next step by the way is there anyone who could identify with one of those women or one of those points you can identify okay i'm going to pray let's just bow your heads let's pray father i thank you that that you're a god who sees exactly where each one of us are at lord you know where each person is at in their walk lord you know those who are in the valley you know those on the mountaintops you know those who are tired i'm just seeing a vision somebody's tired you've been fighting and fighting and fighting Lord, you can see all of these people and I thank you Lord that you prepare a table before us even in the presence of our enemies I thank you Lord God that you give us and you teach us you give us weapons and teach us how to war you teach us how to war and so Lord we ask that you would help each one of us to know how to walk and how to war wherever we find ourselves with the weapons that you've given us Lord whether it's rest whether it's self-acceptance whether it's self-love Lord self-care whether it's choosing to be vulnerable, whether it's choosing to be authentic and truthful about who we are and where we are. I really pray that you would do a work amongst us as women in this church and these churches, Father. We trust you to do that. May you strengthen women tonight, Lord. May you encourage women tonight, Father. I pray that you would give us eyes to see ourselves the way that you see us, That in our hearts you would give us your measures, Lord God, that we would measure ourselves according to the measures that you give us, that you would help us to walk faithfully and be faithful with that which you've placed in each one of our hands, Lord. And I pray for those tonight who are not aware of the things that you've put in their hands, that you would reveal it to us. You would reveal it to us, Lord. And I pray right now for an infilling of your Holy Spirit, for an infilling of joy. Pray as the discussions take place now, Lord God, that this word would go even deeper. I thank you for your joy in this place. I thank you that there's joy, there's acceptance, there's love in this place tonight because that is who you are. Continue your work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay.